Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Orville Roach. Welcome, welcome to Roach on Recovery. This is your host, Orville Roach, along with my producer and co-host, Chris Morales, pulling double duty, as usual. 646-564-9909. 646-564-9909 is the number if you want to call in. If you just want to listen to the show, you can go to our website, ocgworks.org. That's O-C-G-W-O-R-K-S.org and click on the OCG Radio Live button. Or you can also go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. You don't have to call in on the call-in line and listen to the show unless that's your only need. Then by all means, do so. Happy New Year, Mr. Producer. Bah humbug. Okay, yeah. I, I am I am depressed. All right, we're gonna we're gonna start the show off with that. I, that's just that's the only way. I didn't even I get can... a chance to say that he's emotionally <laughs> d- down and and why? But go ahead, go ahead. Uh, it's, get it it's, out. It's rough in Ninerland right now to see such a successful head coach uh, slip through the uh, the cracks, or if you will, or get out of the grasp of which you had him. And uh, boy, it's just it's just tough times right now. It's re- it's really tough. I am legitimately sad uh, to see such a successful coach like Jim Harbaugh leave us. Uh, we don't care. <laughs> um. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, that, and that's not surprising. I don't expect anyone who's not a Forty Nine er fan to care. In fact, because the Forty Nine ers. Uh, and how big their name is, they also have a lot of uh, hatred that comes toward them, the haters, if you will, who are probably real happy that this took place and to see us Niners fans feel the way we feel right now, but it's rough. It is rough. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! That's all uh, I care about. Right, exactly, while well, your team prances into the playoffs. but All right, let me let me tell you this. So... We experienced something similar back when in '94 when Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones split, 
in the middle of what we thought was going to be a multi-year Super Bowl run. So I feel your pain. I can have empathy for you in that. But hopefully they hire a good coach and uh, you guys will be back on track next year. That's all we can say. Just keep sharing. Keep sharing. Yeah, that's it. No, that that's that's the hope. That's the hope. And I will have to talk about this because uh, I'm in a I'm in a pretty dark cave right now. <laughs> I won't lie about that. Maybe we can turn that around with the happy recap. Well, before we move to the happy recap, um, you know I keep forgetting every show we've done to ask our listeners to go to our our show page, and that's on the blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. That's our show page. And um, you can follow us on that page because uh, uh, I know we have many people following us on our OCG radio Facebook page, but you can also follow us on that page and also comment on the show, and we'll respond there too, along with you if you feel like calling. Happy recap. I got nothing. <laughs> nothing for the happy recap. I got nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know what? That's a, that's how I feel right now too. So that is pretty fitting that the happy recap there's nothing to bring to the table in that regard. Uh one thing that's funny that you mentioned um the callers being able to comment on the show page. Uh also they got to log uh, into Facebook to comment. Okay. Uh, and I would also encourage callers or folks to, if they want to, leave comment or question, uh, even leave ideas of things that you'd like to hear us talk about, ideas for show topics, ideas for uh, things that you'd like us to bring to the table and discuss. Um, Which I, I've received. I've gotten a, a message or two on yeah. our, our OCG radio um, page. I think um, that would be great as well. A couple of topics. So, Okay. Yeah, no, I think that would be great. You know, we would like to make the show as interactive as possible, uh, you know, and we'd like to cater to our listeners and, um, you know, be able to discuss whatever is brought to the table, you know, and things that people want to hear about, things that people want to talk about, things that people have questions about and would like us to cover on the show. We would be more than happy to oblige. Well, let me let me add this. This can be under the happy recap. So I did get a... a a personal call um, from someone who uh, found the uh, last show we did on triggers interesting and uh, invited them to call. You know, don't call me personally <laughs> after right. the show. You know, call <laughs> right. us during or call the next show or call you know whenever you you know you feel and you can offer up your comments on it and we'll you know we we'll be happy to uh, have you heard. Right, and that's also I think that's also another really good point too is um when you call in the show, you don't have to just comment or question about what's being discussed in this show. If you heard a show 3 weeks ago that you were interested in and had a question about and could not get in through the lines or you know, we ran out of time or whatever the case may be, you are more than welcome to call in and ask questions about prior shows and whatever show that you can get a hold of us too. Yep, and remember, all of our shows are archived on our, our show page, blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio, and you can get them on iTunes. Just punch in Roach on Recovery, and uh, you can subscribe to the podcast, and it'll just automatically after each show, maybe about 
30 minutes after the show is done, they'll automatically download to your mobile device or computer or wherever you have the subscription. That's right. On. I think I might have a, a little something, a little something for a recap. Our last show was holiday triggers, correct? Correct. How about when the holiday season rolls around and your team has formally been eliminated from playoff contention, you fire the best head coach you've had in two decades, and your rivals uh, are in the playoffs, and maybe the host that you work with on a radio show happens to be a fan of that rival and can drop a cowboy soundbite. That is a holiday trigger. That's definitely a trigger. (laughs) Oh, man. Equally, not to one-up you, or play one upmanship, but um, to me that's no different than the local baseball team, which I refuse to name on the public airwaves. When they win the World Series, is it two out of the last four years? Three, three out of five. Three out of five. And it's just on and on and on and on. You just can't get away from it. <laughs> so I don't listen to sports radio for about five months after the season's over until they get it out of their system. That's great. Yeah, well, we don't really need Cowboys fans listening into the Giants and Niners flagship anyway, so it's best if you stay off those airwaves, <laughs> in, in, in our opinion. Uh, that said, uh, a little should we should we segue here into the the THS? Uh, hit the folks with something that they may not know about. Yep. What is THS? THS. Uh, well, let's see. What we're gonna do is. Maybe uh, leave them on the hook a little bit because I, it, the title might sound familiar minus a, a one, letter one or letter. two. <laughs> but uh, let's let's uh, let's get into that and uh, surprise the listeners. Boom! Boom! <laughs> All right, so. Uh, THS stands for the True Hollywood Story. It's obviously missing the letter E. It used to be the E True Hollywood Story. We could, we can't use E. Um, and what that is, you know, on our show page, we don't have bios up of the host, myself, and the co-host and producer, Mr. Morales. And so what we thought we would do is the True Hollywood Story and you know, do a short telling of our bios. Um, and we're only going to do it twice, once for each of us. And that'll be it for the eternal record. Because we're not, we're not uh, putting our bios up. But I think it's important um, for people who are listening, calling in to get an idea of what are our backgrounds? What are our frames of reference? Where do we come from? And what what do we bring into the table um, in terms of this the subjects that we're talking about and the overriding big picture of recovery, substance abuse treatment, addiction, et cetera. So with that, um, we we flipped a coin, and uh, Mr. Producer is going to uh, let us know. Um, Who's going to go first? Um, but before we start that, you know what? I just thought about something in terms of the happy recap, and it's it's going way back to the show we started. By the way, we're going to do our – we did our holiday show last week um, prior to Christmas. This is our New Year's edition, 
And then after that, we're going to get back into our regular cycle of we're doing a progression of, and you can follow the progression. We started with what's the definition of an addict. Our next show was then, okay, I admit it, I'm an addict. What, you know, what now? What, you know, where do I go from here? And we're just going to progress onwards as to almost like take you through that process of a person from the very beginning all the way through to, is there an end? I don't know. That's going to be a question. If there's an end, I don't know if there's an end. The great debate on that one is there an end? You know, is there a time when okay, I'm not an addict. Okay, I think we talked about that a little bit. But so we flipped the coin, and Mr. Producer, true Hollywood story, you're up. That's it. Uh, I won the flipping of the coin, and so I get to hammer away at the the host here and ask him things that I might not even be able to ask off the air, but because we're on the air, I can back him into a corner if I'd like and get all the information out of him that I've always wanted to know and never had the forum with which to gather said information. So with that, we do have some questions for the host, and hopefully in my asking these questions, if I do my due diligence as a reporter in this regard, the listeners will be able to get the information that they were hoping to get as well. And so we'd like to start off with the obvious one, Mr. Roach. How exactly did your relationship with Daytop begin? It started with my relationship with drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. And I was what you would consider a late bloomer. Um, I really didn't get into drugs until after high school. And... Prior to that, I was pretty much active. I had a pretty much active life, you know, in, in school, sports, etc. Mostly sports, of course. Um, and I was the only one of my peer circle of friends. And so there was a, maybe about a group of us of 10. And then there was an inner circle of four that went to school away from the neighborhood. And so I used to take the city bus and whatnot, two buses to go to school and back. And all of the activities were at school or in the lo- in the neighborhood around school. And so I was gone most of the day. And that all came to a screeching halt once I, uh, you know, once high school ended. And that summer of 82 and started uh, indulging in the weed. <laughs> yes. And then the progression from there. And by the way, each each drug that I ended up using, I swore I would never use. So I swore, you know, even though there were people around me using marijuana and even some in, in, the, in the peer circle, I swore I would never use marijuana, but I ended up using marijuana. I swore I would never use cocaine, but I ended up using cocaine. I swore I would never use crack cocaine. I, and I ended up using crack cocaine. So my relationship with Daytop started with my as a result of my relationships with drugs. All right. Well, there you ha- so there was a you're saying there was a strong correlation there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Between meeting drugs and meeting Daytop. Yeah. Uh what when exactly did you enter Daytop? What was your entry date? Well, I made a phone call on Labor Day. 1988. I got the number not to Daytop, but it was 1-800-COCAINE. Okay. On the back of the milk carton. Um, 
I don't know if that still exists, but that's where that used, they used to advertise on not Daytop, but just a number. And I called that number, and it just turned out to be Daytop. And I went in, you know, they had you come in for a, um interview. And in my interview, this is not the interview where you come into the program, but the interview to screen you to... Put you on a list? Exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the one thing I remember from that interview, because they, they do a whole, they ask you a lot of stuff. And uh, when the guy was done, um, he said, you know what you are? I said, what? He said, you're an effing idiot. <laughs> I laugh because you'd have to, I mean, boy, you just have to kind of understand what what things were back then, back in the day. To... Well, he, he, he uh, of course, I was taken aback. You know, you know, someone just calling you that, and and he, I, you know, I said, "What do you mean? Why, why are you calling me that?" And he said, "Because you have no reasons why you should be sitting in this room. Two parent family, right? Decent, quote unquote, family upbringing. No traumatic experiences, which I will challenge later on." Um, you don't start using until you get out of high school. And then he repeated it. You're an effing idiot. So that never left me. I'd imagine not. The first line delivered to you coming into <laughs> coming into a new place, uh, not 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 so welcoming. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we will leave the actual treatment segment alone, I suppose, other than one indulgence, if you could compare your experience or how treatment was then, to uh, quote a cliche, back in the day, versus what treatment looks like today. Well, I think it's important to add that after that interview, I had to wait six months to get in, to get a bed. Okay. And so um, Valentine's Day is my entry date into Daytop. And now with my grandson who was born on Valentine's Day. Um, it's a special day. It's a special a day. Right. So come, you know, for, for me personally, when I, I don't count the years, by the way, but when Valentine's Day rolls around, it has multiple meanings. That's awesome. Okay. But when I eventually forgot to call and was told, you know, when to show up, et cetera, and it was my sister who was a year older than me who drove me to Far Rockaway to the entry unit. And I had my own plan of treatment in my mind. I just needed six months, everything straightened out, and then I'd be good to go. And so when I arrived there and got to the front area and so on and so forth, I just asked the guy at the front area, I said, look, I said, how long is this program? You know, from you know start to finish. He said, oh, anywhere from about 18 to 24 months. I was ready to pick up my bags and walk out the door. My sister grabbed my arm and said, no, 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 no. You got to do this. And um, that's when I entered. Yeah. Okay, right. So uh, duration obviously would be one difference between what treatment was then and now because we don't residential treatment. What he was speaking to was not really the length of time you might spend in residential treatment, but the length of time you from the day you walk in to the day you graduate. So if you pursue graduation and right. he was right on it because 
by the time I, uh, you know, ultimately graduated, had my graduation evaluation was 25 months. Okay, so he was pretty much right on point toward yeah. the the end of the spectrum there. Yeah. Okay, great. So we've graduated. We move on from there. Uh, when did you begin working for the organization? Well, I think you also asked, did, did, do you want me to go back to you to the differences between the two then and now? You can if you'd like, yeah. To me... I figured you were trying to duck that no, question no. with your answer, and so I didn't want to put you on the hot seat uh, and turn it up to uh, high high heat too early in the interview. No, I, I don't actually really see too much of a difference. What makes it different, everyone's experience is different. You know, how you experience treatment is different. Right. Even though the the time frame of when you're in treatment might be different. So I went in late 80s, early 90s. That was my period of time. What made it different was the people that were there, you know, the, the, the directors that were there, the people that you were exposed to that were teaching you what treatment was about and what you needed to do. Right. That's what was different between then and now. So a lot, a lot of these, so we were, it was handed down to us. We're then charged with taking the baton, so to speak, so that we can then, those who chose to stay in the field and help others, we're charged with passing it pass, along, passing that information down and 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 along to other people. Paying it forward, so to speak. Whether or not we are as giant as they are is still an untold story. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. And the story will unfold. Probably it'll have to be the next generation that determines that looking back at us. Uh, so, yeah, moving on then to the next question with when you began working for the organization and in what capacity did you begin working for the organization? They had a a thing called the core group, which is if you had an interest in working in the field, you can participate in this group while you were in treatment. So this was about like the five to six month mark, and the group was once a week. And they had training classes that would rotate around, so there might be two classes going on at the same time. And the training, the trainings were six months long, and I've expressed an interest in wanting to work in the field and, and, and counsel others. And I realized that early on in, in my treatment that this was something that I wanted to do. Uh, I believe I found my calling in that regard. And the to get into the training class, you had to go through an 18-hour 18, 18 extended group. And I would say there was about 30, 35 people to start. And when it was done, we had 20. So the training class started with 20. Training lasted six months. It was an emotional, mental psychological, spiritual, I would say everything but physical boot camp. Wow, yeah. They wanted to really see if, number one, your heart and mind were in the right place, that you didn't have other agendas for why you wanted to get in this field, and whether or not you really had the metal to do what was necessary to be a counselor at that period in time um, for the organization. And so, as I said, we started with 20. How many did we end up with when the training was over? How many graduated from that training program? 
three. Wow. You were one of the three, obviously. I was one of the three. Jeez, that's no that's no joke at all. That definitely gives you a little bit of insight into minus the physical part, but the psychological and emotional, everything else you were saying that they put you through, right. just how challenging that was for folks. And that's even aside from the actual training, you know, the, the concepts and theories and the didactic trainings and things of that nature, you know, learning, you know, counseling. Right. This was the other side to it, really testing your mettle. Wow, where you're at as a person in your development. Yeah. So wow, and it's interesting. I hear you say um, finding your calling that you had found your calling. Mm -hmm. It just reminds me of a little quote uh, that popped up in a movie that my wife and I recently watched. And although it's a really short quote, I thought it was pretty profound, and it speaks to exactly what you were just saying about having found your calling. And it's a little quote by Mark Twain, and it says, uh, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And uh, finding your calling is that for many people, and so that's uh, that's pretty awesome. It's pretty powerful. Moving right along, uh, one of my favorite questions here, how did you, a first uh, Jamaica and then New York transplant, find your way to my beautiful home state of California? Let's see. How can I <laughs> answer that? Easy now. For, be respectful. Yeah, appropriately <laughs> for the air. Let's just say um, sometimes out of tragedy comes opportunities that you wouldn't have normally had laid before you. Okay. Okay. And there are then people who, for lack of a better expression, call them angels, who come along and facilitate turns in your life. Right. You know, kind of take this route, take this fork, etc. And you kind of go with that. And it then leads you to certain other experiences. And so we end up, my wife and I in California, at the advice of Wayne Butler, the director of Parksville at the time, back in 1990. And it was the best thing that ever happened to us. Okay. And still is. Okay. Great. Well, great to have you in California, by the way. Welcome. Uh, although we try and keep as many New Yorkers out as humanly possible. Uh, I, I still have my New York driver's license and keep it in my wallet because uh, <laughs> even though I've been here, let's see, how many years? 23 years. Oh, um, boy. I'm still a New Yorker. Okay, I hear that. Well, that actually, a uh, little impromptu question that brings me up when thinking about you coming out to California. I'd like you, I've heard this story, by the way, for the callers out here, and it's one that I find to be incredibly entertaining. But perhaps you can share with the callers your <laughs> your first earthquake experience. <laughs> All right, my wife's probably listening, so watch it now. Um we were we were in our apartment yep and sitting on the living room couch yep and the walls started waving you know like a wave just you know 
Yes, like a ripple in a pond. Exactly. And my wife hurried out, I'll use that term, hurried out the front, now we're on the third floor, the top floor, hurried out the door of the apartment, and I said, where are you going? <laughs> I said, we're on the top floor, worst case scenario, the building collapse, we'll just slide down in the rubble. So you go down to the lower floor, it's going to collapse on top of you. Right, you're, you're the cherry on top exactly. right now. Exactly. So um, that was my first experience. Up until then, people were just telling me about the 89 earthquake, you know, and what they saw, what they experienced. And so I had no, no frame of reference. Yeah. Until, and this was, my, what I was told eventually, this was just a tremor. Um, but that was my first visual experience of what an earthquake could cause. Yes. After that, the 94 Northridge earthquake, I we, we felt that in, in, in our... Uh, in our house right. early in the morning. Right. But other than that, not too much. It, my wife's, I think she's done much better now in terms of going over the bridges. Okay. You know, but, uh, you know, back in the day, you know. Going over a bridge was no easy task. No easy task. Pedal to the metal, forget about sightseeing, and, oh, wow, look at the water. You know, not, none of that nonsense. Now get me on to the other side as yep. quickly as possible. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, okay, so after uh, you come out to California and you've gone through your training, you're one of the three, you have a job, you're in the door with Daytop. Um, Remember, I started working in New York first as a counselor. That's right, that's right, but we're not going to mention that. Okay. So we're out in California now, uh, the only time in your life that really matters to me at this point, uh, joining the beautiful state of California and its staff out here. Walk us through the progression of just being a floor counselor to becoming the executive director of the organization. Oh, wow. Um, well, you go from uh, running a 250-bed facility to, in California, much smaller, 39-bed adolescent facility, 32-bed adult facility at the time. And so it is a kind of a culture shock to go from that, I mean, I had 37 people on my caseload, so it's, it's they couldn't comprehend that having, 30, you know, covering a house of 39 kids was nothing, was nothing to me, but more importantly, um, it was my first experience working with a multidisciplinary team, a more professional staff team, which really helped shape me as a staff person, being exposed to people um, who you know, had backgrounds in psychology, had backgrounds in family therapy and things of that nature. And what I brought to the table was my experience and um, knowledge of the therapeutic community. Right. So they would uh, learn from me, and I certainly picked their brains to learn from them um, to try and become a complete counselor. I then um, was promoted by Eddie Simisomo. Um, who was the vice president in charge of Texas and California in 96 to the director of operations for California. And I held that post through October of 91, when I, um, 91 2001, where I was then promoted uh, by the vice president that uh, succeeded uh, Eddie Sinosomo, Joseph Hennon, to the executive directorship, which is where I've been since. Beautiful, beautiful. And lastly, kind of a bookend to this kind of question. Can I can I just add one thing? Yeah, sure. So that experience of going from starting as a counselor and 
working your way up to the executive directorship, there is one thing that it has allowed. Okay. When I speak with a counselor and say, you know, and talk about, you know, doing the counselor job, walking the boulevard, being on the floor, things of that nature, I've speaking, I'm speaking from I've done it. Right. So I'm not speaking to something that I've never experienced. I've, I've been there. I've done that. And to me, that's important. It is. It definitely is because you can't uh, – it eliminates the question of, yeah, it's easy for you to say, but you don't know what it's actually like right. because you do. Uh, I, I guess lastly, I'd like to know, as the executive director of the organization, uh, what are your responsibilities for the organization as the executive director, your day-to-day responsibilities and otherwise? What are What are you responsible for? Well, I mean, day-to-day ultimately is making sure the organization thrives, that we follow our mission, et cetera. But ultimately, big picture is ensuring that we are changing with the times, changing with the culture, being able to provide treatment that's relevant, not treatment that we want to do, but treatment that is needed. Correct. Did you hear that? I did. Not treatment we want to do, but treatment that's needed. That's correct. And in order to do that, you got to pay attention. You got to know what's what what's who's coming in, what's coming in, and being able to move with that, and not as as the the Monsignor used to say, "Don't be a Neanderthal, stay stuck. <laughs> See what's coming. Right. You know, read the tea leaves and be able to move and change and adapt. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense, and I guess ultimately, um, like a like second part to that question, what what's your ultimate vision, or where where do you hope to lead this organization to in the future? What is your what is the end game, so to speak, the the ultimate goal to leave it in a better position than when when you I, inherited when I, the position? Not necessarily the position, but from when I arrived in California to work for the organization to leave it in a position that it's can move on without me without any without anyone that we we bring people along we mentor people the next you know the next leaders of the organization um that's ultimately what I need to do have to do and others have to do that are also in leadership positions right Right, beautiful. Well, there you have it. That's the uh, the without the letter E there, our own proprietary version of the Hollywood story. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Uh, that's great. You know, I hope for those of you listeners, uh, give you a little bit of insight into um, this man here, Mr. Roach, the host. I've known him personally for quite some time. That you now know when you tune in, you're not listening to some guy who just likes the sound of his own voice, although I'm sure he does. <laughs> I but, do not. Uh, <laughs> but there is some credibility there, a whole ton of it, and a world of knowledge, a uh, world of experience and insight. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that with us as well. So thank you so much. Uh, you want to take a quick uh, music break here before the before we go into our topic sure. for the day? Sure. All right. We're going to take a quick music break. We will catch you guys on the other side. Do, 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 do. 
Children's Health Council in Palo Alto has been serving children, youth, and teens in San Mateo and Santa Clara counties, as well as the greater San Francisco Bay Area, for over 60 years. The goal of the agency is to remove barriers to learning, regardless of language, location, learning style, or ability to pay. At CHC, we specialize in ADHD, learning differences, anxiety and depression, and autism through our center, two schools, and community clinic. No matter how big or small the issue is, just call us, and we'll help you navigate your child's journey together. Visit our website at www.chconline.org or call us at area code 650-688-3625. Again, that's area code 650-688-3625. At CHC, we're here for you. And CHC, estamos aquí para usted. Welcome back to Roach on Recovery. Happy New Year. Happy New Year indeed. It's now time to let it go. I think that applies to the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, for me, uh, not quite yet. Okay. Not well, quite yet. All right, well, I think our New Year's Eve, I mean, our, our New Year's edition, our topic, um, might be helpful to you. Now, I've really thought long and hard about what, you know, um, the New Year's show topic should be, and I know it's outside of our normal progression of uh, of topics, and to me, the New Year represents, you know, a fresh start, fresh opportunity, uh, a new beginning, and, you know, in the field that we're in, in, in trying to help people rebuild their lives, uh, get this recovery thing going, um, get it uh, understood, grasp it, etc. Sometimes, you know, the kickstart is letting letting some stuff go, and the the undergirth of that is forgiveness. Beginning with with forgiveness of oneself, and for many forgiveness of others and historically when I brought this up in in doing seminars this is one of the most if not the most one of the most highly charged subjects because when it comes to forgiving or being forgiven etc it brings up a lot a lot for people but I don't think there is – I remember when we put this on the wall in the facilities as, as one of the unwritten philosophies. It wasn't always up there. We, it was added. And we realized how important it was for people to you know, forgive themselves for things they've done, things they've said, people they've let down, letting down themselves, and forgiving other people for things that may have been done to them through no fault of their own. And it's so important for for this to happen. So we're going to get into that a little bit um, just to get the ball rolling. And, and this is what I always say. This is just to get the ball rolling because everyone is not on the same timetable when it comes to forgiveness. 
And for some people, we tell them and, and we recommend because of the issue that is at hand that they may be struggling over in terms of forgiveness, you know, they need continued counseling, continued therapy to 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 really move through this and get over that hump and get on to the other side. And I was actually going to title it Happy New Year. It's now time to come over to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> All but, right. The good side. Yeah, but I said, let me go with, uh, you know, to let it go. Um, but either one could have could have gotten the message across. So I, I listed some unwritten philosophies that come into play. Honesty, trust, and there's nothing constant but change. No free lunch. That's a big one when it comes to forgiveness, and, and I'll explain that. It's better to understand than to be understood. What about that? It's better to if, understand uh, than to be understood. If my wife is still listening, I'd love for you to apply that philosophy. <laughs> no mas, no mas. Uh, blind faith. You know, those last three tie in together. Just as the first two trying together, tying together. And the the one, there's nothing constant but change. That's an unofficial, unwritten philosophy because obviously this whole thing is ultimately resulting in change. So how do we get the ball rolling? Well, we always preach, 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 preach. You got to share, 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 share. Talk, 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 talk. But there's always the dark secrets, the the stuff that's buried that stops people from getting over to the other side. And I ask the question, why? Why do you want to keep it? Why do you want to hold it? Why do you not want to forgive yourself? Why do you not want to forgive this other person? And we ask those questions, sometimes rhetorically, so that it's food for thought for the person to think about it, get some time and space, think about it on their own, and then come back and see what they've come back with. So I throw it out there. Yeah, well, I, I look at so the the connection between honesty and trust, um, and how that it's kind of the foundation, right? The building blocks. You need to begin with being honest with yourself, being honest with others. Honesty, generally speaking, if you can't come to this place, this place in your life where you believe it's time to make a change, or you're ready to make a change, but you can't be entirely honest with you know, why you're here, what got you here, uh, and the things that have taken place, then everything after that is going to be a miss on some level. And so looking at starting with honesty and then ultimately trusting, you know, the the process of those around you, leading you to a place where you can forgive either yourself or others, um, how how do you see folks overcoming just that initial challenge? Because talking about forgiveness is easy, uh, 
and you know getting there i guess when you get to that step maybe easier said than done but that the steps that you have to take first with just being honest in general how how do you how would you recommend somebody even overcome that just the initial step that's where no free lunch comes in because you got to give something up to get what you want so I, I would ask the person, what is it that you want? Well, I want to be free of this. I want to, you know, I want to be able to move forward and get to this place. And usually when they say this place, this place is a place where I'm not being impacted by this thing, whatever this thing is. And so I say, well, in order to get there, there's no free lunch. You got to give something up to get what you want in return. So you want peace of mind, you want freedom from whatever this struggle is. What do you want to give up? And so that's where we get caught up. Because sometimes you run into folks who, I ain't giving it up. So is there another route I can go? Can I, is there a detour around it? <laughs> right. I'm not giving it up. Right. I'm, I'm keeping it. And I say, I'm sorry. There's no free lunch. You got to Give something to get something. And so we can't move forward. We can't get to that next step until the person acknowledges. And I sometimes just want an acknowledgement of, of that, that they understand that in order for me to get to the point of where I can then you know, say, okay, I'm ready to enact this forgiveness principle, I understand that I have to give up something in, in order to get there. In order to get there. And then, and then I look at blind faith also, um, which is really, really tough for people, and not just people in recovery. I mean, blind faith has, dependent upon, I guess, how you look at it, but could even have a little bit of a religious undertone uh, when people talk about their higher power, God, whoever it may be, and in blind faith meaning that that's exactly what it is. You can't see... Uh, whatever it may be that you're referring to. You just have to have faith that this is what it is. It exists. It's going to help. And so same thing applying in treatment or, or even taking it to the level of, okay, so you're telling me uh, if I forgive myself for this or if I forgive this person for this, ultimately I'm going to feel better. Maybe you know I'm, I'm not harboring resentment anymore or it's going to work, but how do I know? How do I know? You got, so, you got to trust. You got to trust, and have blind faith. And where I can, where I try and sometimes hit them, is on the streets. When you're out there living the life, you place trust and blind faith in other things that had, you know, negative consequences. Right. You trusted the cop man. I don't know what you'll call him in California, but we call him the cop man. You, also, you trusted the cop man that what he was giving you was weed and not oregano. You trusted the cop man that you were getting cocaine and not borax. <laughs> <laughs> That's a blast from the past. Borax. Right. Um, you know, so you, 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 to a certain extent, you trusted things and you had blind faith that that system out there of negativity of, of the drugs and whatnot that you were getting what you hoped you were paying for. Right. Okay. Right. And so what we're asking, what we're saying is apply that same trust, that same blind faith for just for you. Yeah, not, not even for our benefit. Yeah, not for the cop man, 
for you, for your own personal benefit and a positive benefit. Right. And what's the worst that can happen, I would say? What's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is that you would be in the same position that you are sitting here in front of me today. Right. The best that can happen is you get to experience what it feels like to have this gorilla off of your shoulders. Right. I I actually watched um a gorilla removed from Steve Young's shoulders in the locker room after he uh he won the Super Bowl. Oh goodness, can you can you leave the 49ers <laughs> alone please? I watched the monkey removed from his back. I forget one of his linemen doing that. Maybe it was Brent Jones, I can't recall, but Gary Plummer. Gary Plummer, there you go. All right, yeah, beautiful. Okay, and then so lastly, the philosophy, uh, it's better to understand than to be understood. Um, how do you tie that into a necessary step prior to forgiveness and ultimately to recovery? It is human nature to want to be understood. You you want to you want people to understand where you're coming from, what your position is, where you're at. The goal of communication, right? When it comes to implementing this principle of forgiveness, if your focus is on being understood, we got you. We got it. We know exactly where you stand. We we have an idea sometimes more often than not of what the struggle is, the stumbling block is, so we understand. So you don't have to spend any more energy trying to be, to ensure that we, and I'm just saying we, we're the, we're the person that's trying to move you along this path, to ensure that we understand what it is and that, you know, how deep it is and how hard it is. No, we got it. We got it. The question is, do you understand what is required of you to get where you say you want to go but aren't willing to do yet or are struggling with whether or not I'm going to do what I have to do to get there? So we can, you know, in in the therapeutic community and in most treatment settings, you know, there's there's peers there that are further along than others who are a testament to, you know, the process of what it sharing, can do yep, of what it can do, sharing, um, giving things up, right, you know, forgiving oneself, etc. And I yeah, I don't think there's any any more proof than the testament of another person who has has gone through that process and and is able to tell what they experience once they you know, applied those things, applied those principles of sharing, talking about it, letting it go, um, forgiving, and then what it felt like. And by the way, because I do not want to forget this, I always say this in the seminars, and by, that's from Ralph Cramden, and by the way, don't think you can be slick and get one past yourself and kid yourself and fool yourself into thinking that I've forgiven I've forgiven me or I've forgiven you, et cetera, and it not be real, that you can, you know, get over. Okay? Because there's there's an easy way to tell if someone has really forgiven or they're just mouthing the words. Because 
we say no free lunch. In order to get to, get to that point of really forgiving yourself, forgiving others, we say there's no free lunch. That means, you know, you got to give up something. Well, what is it i got to give up? What do I have to give up? That's the question. What is it? Well, for each person, the details of the stumbling block may be different. What the stumbling block represents, to me, is always the same. And that's control. Okay. Are you willing to give up the control? Right. Are you willing to be vulnerable? Right. That's tough for people. And, okay, wait, wait, wait a minute now. You're telling me that in order for me to get on to the other side where I can get over this hump, get past this struggle, I got to give up control? I got to give that up? Yep, you got to give it up. You got to give it up. Why do you want to continue to beat yourself up with this thing? Right. Why do you want to continue to struggle with this? What are you gaining from it? I'm not gaining anything from it. You must be gaining something. People don't do anything for nothing. There's something, even if it's a negative thing, or a thing that's not in your best interest, you're, there's something you're getting out of it while you're continuing to do it. So why are you doing it? And oftentimes people don't realize it. It's subconscious, you know, that... Yeah, it's I, just a part of their routine. They don't even realize... I, I just feel more secure right. knowing that I'm in control of, of, of this thing, this information, this this struggle, than if I just gave it up and said, you know what, I forgive myself. I'm not I'm not holding this girl on my back anymore. I forgive myself for what I've done, for what I've said, for who I've hurt. I forgive myself. And you'll know that that's a true statement because it's almost like a spiritual thing. You'll know that's a true statement because it's not – it's something you feel – when you really do it. Right. It's something you feel when you really do it. Right. And whenever it comes back up in terms of conversational purposes, whatever it was, you know, whatever the details are behind what you're forgiving, okay, it comes back up in a different tone, in a different manner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you feel... Uh, you feel different talking about it. Or... Now, let me stop you right there because you mentioned something very important. You said you feel different. Right. Okay. Because no one can change what has happened. Right. Okay. What has happened has happened. Okay. But you can certainly change how you feel about it. Right. And if you, can, and if you do that, then the thing doesn't represent this huge this huge stumbling yeah, block. Right, right, right. It's not a enormous monster anymore. It's you can you you can overcome it. Okay. So I, I've forgiven myself, but what about, you know, people who've done me wrong, especially if they're close people, people who supposedly loved me, you know, they've hurt me, they've abused me, they've done terrible things. I'm not gonna forgive them. How they're no they're not gonna get away with that. 
So that's the mindset that we encounter. And I say, okay, while you're sitting there marinating in that, in what way is this impacting, and my hands are up in quotes, the other person? Right. They're not spending any energy or time thinking about you and what you're going through and what you're feeling and what you're experiencing. Right. What What is it that you think that you will be doing or 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 losing or um, giving to them if you work this process towards this principle of forgiving another? Yeah, and kind of like you said earlier, what by not forgiving them, what exactly do you believe you're gaining or doing to them? In what way is that impacting them? You okay? No, I'm not going to forgive you. How do you believe that's impacting them in their life? It, it's directly having an impact on yours, mm-hmm. that's for sure. And that's uh, all I care about is yours. Right. But not somebody else's. Um yeah, no, that's a that's actually that's a really big one too. And, and you know what else? How about um you know, so forgiving yourself for things that you've done but maybe to somebody who you can't contact anymore, someone who's passed away perhaps. So, you know, you've made this change after they've passed away and now, you know, carrying that guilt with you, boy, you know, the things that, you know, that I did that I wish I hadn't or, you know, not actually being able to reconcile with a face-to-face conversation and apologizing because someone has moved on um, and say somebody carries that, you know, around with them everywhere they go. How would you recommend heading into the new year that, somebody forgives themselves for maybe something that they've done to somebody that can't actually forgive them. Well, that scenario presents itself a lot. Um, And ultimately it's not about the other person. And so let's use the most extreme example, the other person that you need to forgive or want to forgive or whatever has passed away. No longer on this earth. Well, it's ultimately not about them. It's about you. And so the same process applies. So remember we talked about in the beginning about first acknowledging that if I don't give something up, I'm not going to get where I want to get. Okay? And so your, your the example that you use, Mr. Producer, are you using the example of a person who did something to someone or something was done to them? I just want to be clear on that. So you've done something to someone right. and that someone has right. since passed away. Okay. You've made a change now, but you carry that guilt with you. You know, kind of the cliche movie scene, you never got to say goodbye or, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. Once we, I mean, if the person is in, in, in a position emotionally, mentally, spiritually, that they are ready to go through this process of forgiveness, there's many routes they can take. It depend, And so it depends on what the thing is, you know, how deep this thing is. And so we may only be laying the foundation in the treatment setting. We may re- recommend, based on what it is, that, you know what, you need to do a lot more sharing and talking about this outside of the treatment setting. So we might recommend continued counseling. Right. Because this is not going to be a one-shot deal. 
Right. But the process is still the same. And if and if if we accomplish the first thing of the person saying, I do want to I want to forgive myself for what I've done to this person. And and I know I can't express it to them, but I want to be able to forgive myself, then we've conquered seventy five percent of it. They they want to go through that process. They want to experience it. And I interpret that as a person saying, I want to be honest about it. I trust. I have blind faith that, you know what, if I go through with it, that on the backside, I'm going to be all the better for it. Right. Okay. So depending on where they're at, what it is, we'll walk them through those steps. We don't need the nitty-gritty details. A hump is a hump. The struggle is a struggle. Right. It's really, what are the feelings? You know, what is it doing to you? What are you willing to give up? Got to give up something. You got to give up something. You got to give up something. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I would like to kind of um, maybe... Oh, and I don't mean to interrupt, but don't forget the, the other important question. You know, when you feel guilty about something you've done, and you want to forgive yourself, but it's been a struggle to do so, you know, why are you holding on to the guilt? It comes right back to that same question of, well, what are you gaining from it? There must be something you're gaining from it while you're holding on to it. And a person must be able to, at some point, before we move forward, answer that question. Right. And that requires gut-level honesty. Gut-level honesty. And... It's very hard. But we'll push you. You need someone to push you to get you there. Right. How can we kind of summarize, because um, we're we're up against it here and we got a, a board full of callers here, but how, how can we kind of summarize then moving into the new year, for those of you who are going to ring in the new year, um, you know, and have certain things you're maybe carrying with yourself that you would like to you know, move on from and have this fresh start and look at the new year as a chance to, you know, uh, start fresh, make amends, do whatever you have to do. What kind of advice can you offer to the listeners moving into this new year about having a one-time kind of forgiveness uh, and, and moving forward, uh, even if it's to the process of forgiveness, right? Maybe I'm not just, oh, on New Year's Eve, I'm going to forgive who I need to forgive, but even making the commitment to, you know what, in this new year, I'm going to work on forgiving who I need to forgive and moving forward. What kind of uh, step could you recommend that our listeners take heading into this new year so they can feel good about tackling uh, January 1st? Well, I like everything you've just said. And if I was to choose out of all the steps, I would choose this one. I would say to have an honest gut level conversation with this is probably the only time I'm going to recommend a conversation with yourself. Conversation with yourself to to determine what are the what is the reason or the reasons plural why you're holding on to this guilt or this struggle or this thing that has prevented you from moving forward onto the step of being able to forgive yourself or forgive another person. If you can once you answer that and give that up. Okay, that's one step in the process of giving up that control. You got to be able to answer that question. Why am I holding it? 
So that would be the one thing I would choose if I can choose anything okay. out of all the steps. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Well, we have queued up a song here that ties into what our topic was today heading into the new year. So we're going to take a quick music break, play that song for you all, and then we're going to move right into our recovery support time. So those of you who are in the queue and on hold, we do see you. We will get to you on the other side. Uh, and thank you all again for those of you who are tuning in, and we will get to you guys after this break.
Recovery is a program of OCG Radio. It deals with many topics related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment and recovery. Our recovery support time is a show segment where you can receive support from our host for any questions or issues you wish to present related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment or recovery. You can reach our host live by calling 646-564-9909. That's 646-564-9909. Or you can send your questions via email at any time to ocgworkca at gmail.com. That's ocgworkca at gmail.com. And our host will respond to your questions on the air. Roach on Recovery. Recovery support time. A time for us to help you. Welcome back to Roach on Recovery. 
recovery support time. We're going to get right to the phones. Let's hit up uh, Jerry from EPA. Uh, yeah. Uh, how's it going? Good. How are you, Jerry? Um, oh, man. I'm going. I'm, it's great. It's great. Um, yeah, my thing was that I had. I was carrying around a lot of baggage and things like this here, and I was feeling dead inside, and I couldn't understand it for a long time, very long time, very long time. caused me to um, kind of relapse a couple of times or whatever behind the situations of the carrying, not only mine, but other people's, and trying to spread out my feelings to them to try to get them in right. I guess that would be like a little bit of codependency. But um, something struck me that I, I, I end up looking at a movie, which I had seen before, but I've seen it, but I ended up watching it twice. Um, when a man loves a woman, but the movie itself um, is not a, pertaining to what I was speaking in terms of, but it was something that was inside. It was an Ananon, it was given an Ananon um, meeting, and this lady that came up to speak, right? And then she was saying that she was sick and tired of, um, I mean, pushing her feelings out to um, different peoples and stuff like this here, and I guess with her husband or whatever. So then she had said that she's going to take and start caring for her own feelings, start feeling her own feelings, and start, yeah, yeah, um, having feelings for her feelings. And so I, I, I couldn't understand it, but then I, I thought about it to myself and said, yeah, yeah, and I end up actually, you know, ingesting that to say, yeah, I want to have feelings for my own feelings. I guess I start trying to functionalizing that inside my mind. And actually, believe it or not, the Lord above knows that's true. I mean, something just, wow, I just seemed like just came alive, just came alive, feeling good, um, almost like I had done some dope or something, but other than that, it was naturally. And, um, you know, I guess I, you know, and so, do, yeah, do that's the question I want to say. Um, do you, I mean, can you give me a little feedback on that when, when um, like that little piece that I was speaking in terms of the feelings, but is it possible of that to be able to have feelings for your own feelings and, you know, recognizing? Well, I'll give, I'll give you a short answer. Yes, you can, you can have feelings on top of feelings on top of feelings. Yeah, but in terms of the way you worded it, when you say feelings for your own feelings, um, that's almost like saying, I mean th- that happens, but I've never heard anyone word it that way. But that's like saying, you know, you get angry at something, and then you got angry at yourself for getting angry at it. You know, that's no. having feelings for your feelings. Feelings for my feel. I mean, my feelings. What I'm saying is that I I, I decided to go ahead. And start having, I mean, you know, for the good though, for the good. I know, I know, you have all type of um, um, different feelings or whatever, but for to be able to control my feelings to, to say that, to um, snip, I mean, having, I mean, not to say that I won't have empathy for people or, or try to try to, I mean, stretch out for them, but I got to start, you know, trying to find myself. You see what I'm saying? Because I myself was lost. Putting and yourself I first. Finally, huh? Putting yourself first. Right, right, and I know it may sound like a selfish act, but wow, um, it really feels good right now. And um, good, I don't want to say that I. I mean, I mean, I want it to last forever, but I want to be able to. I guess I want to come 
in in touch with myself for a good while, and then maybe I can be able to stretch out again to others. You you see what I'm saying? Because it seemed like it was just draining me, you know, but just giving all this output to people and never giving nothing to myself. And, all right. Um, well, there's you put always put yourself first. It's about you first. It's positive selfishness, not negative selfishness. All right, Jerry. Yes. Okay, sir. Yes. And um, thank you. Yeah, and and thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Okay, let's go to Rick, who's been holding a while from San Mateo. Rick, welcome. Welcome. Good evening. Um, I good just, evening. I, I want. I, good evening. I, I called last weekend, and I mean last week, and we had a brief conversation about, um, you know, this is kind of like just like a follow-up question, and I got like a two-part uh, tilt tonight. One that, okay. you know, I finally, uh, you know, I, I gave myself 72 hours to feel bad about the conditions and the, the reason why I'm in our, our common ground, and this is now my second uh, treatment episode. And, you know, I've just come to understand that, uh you know, it happened. I had a missing component, and um, you know, since being in the situation that I'm in now, and and a little bit of a treatment plan has been organized. Um, you know, I, I'm over that. And uh, you know, the thing I, you know, I was listening to you and your producer's conversation about forgiveness, and um, you know, I was sitting back and contemplating. You know, I, I just got back. I, I, my dad's about ready to pass, and the forgiveness. Um, I got a lot out what you guys were talking about. You know. I had to go through the agony of, you know, I just went through a lot of agony watching someone who had a lot of vitality and a lot of life, and um, to watch him, basically, he's about ready to take his last breath and, you know, have the have the, the plug pulled. And most of my life, you know, I, I always, I spent in prison, and, and I couldn't be present. And, um, you know, for anybody who's listening uh, tonight, um there's no better feeling than to be able to be present, you know, and, you know, I, I truly believe that I'm in this situation, you know, last week I was kicking myself, you know, I was kicking rocks around in the sand about, you know, uh, guilt and, and why is this happening? Why, how did I allow this to happen? You know, I, I guess I'm just a hodgepodge of emotions right now, but I, you know, when you guys were talking about forgiveness and, you know, it just really touched on me because I never really forgave myself for, becoming ostracized to to my loved ones to the ones who depended to de, de, depended on me and the, and and how I had to depend on them and, and and take from them and take from them and you know when I was sitting in my dad and you know he's incoherent and he can't understand me but I basically just told him dad you know what you know I, I just know that in heaven you know I will not only have you as a dad but I'll have you as an angel and I don't know if I'm really making sense tonight but um there's so many things that have been happening, you know, like I, I've been really contemplating, you know, what did I miss? What did I miss? How did I let four and a half years slip? And, you know, now that I'm now I'm a letdown, not only to myself, but to my environment, to the people who care on me again, you know, and it all kind of like hit me when I was at my dad's bedside and I was, you know, it was like the tears were coming and, and, um, and I just, you know, I was just saying to my higher power, you know, please let this man go to heaven and forgive me, you know, for the, for the, you know, the 26 years that I checked out, you know, and I put my mom through this and that, and and probably created her own PTSD to my mom because of my actions, and and I don't know if anybody's understanding this. It's just these are the things that are running through my head, and and I just hope we, we, that that was we enough. That, 
I didn't mean to interrupt you, Rick. But I said we no, understand. That's all right. That's all right. I'm kind of just I'm babbling. I'm just I just know that there's a lot of things, and I just hope that that's enough. And it just when you and your producer were talking about forgiveness and the aspects and the components of forgiveness and you know the different avenues of forgiveness, I was just soaking it up, and it was all it was a lot. But I just know that that's I needed to hear a lot of what you guys were talking about, and it just. You know, for the last three and four days, you know, all I've been doing is crying and all I've been doing, you know, and it was like, it was almost like a rites of passage because at that time while I was asking for forgiveness, you know, things were falling into place of my own thoughts with like, you know, right. Rick, there's a reason why you're in, there's a reason why you came back for another episode of treatment. There's a reason, there's something you have, there's something that you haven't let go. You're holding on and why are you holding on? And, and when you guys were talking, I was like, bingo, what is it that I'm holding on to? Why is it that I'm still allowing myself to hurt myself and in, in doing hurting myself I'm hurting my family and my loved ones by my well, by my let me ask you a question okay well first let me make a statement then I'll ask you a question mm-hmm. number one uh, you owe me 24 hours because I think I told you 24 to 48 and you, <laughs> you sure did 24 you took 72 so yeah, you, you owe did. me 24 um and you'll you'll call me back another time and let us know how you're gonna how you're gonna give that twenty four back to Roach on recovery. All right. Uh, but we hear everything that you're saying, and I'm glad that the topic for today for New Year's of of forgiveness and and letting it go and starting anew and giving yourself an opportunity and all of that. I'm glad that it resonated with you, and um, just one day at a time. Just take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. I know it's a cliche, but you can't live yesterday, and you certainly can't live tomorrow. You can only live today. Um, and I, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mhm. All right, Rick. Works. Works for me. All right. Okay. Thank you. Hope to hear from you again. Thank you. Oh, you will. All right. Bye bye. Right. Bye bye. So I'm glad that um, our choice of content today has hit home with someone, um, and I hope it's hit home with others. I'd like to know exactly how Rotron Recovery is going to be paid for that extra 24 hours. I didn't say pay. I just said that he's going to have to give it up somehow. I don't know how, but we only give you 24 to 48 to feel bad about yourself. And and yeah. that's it. Now I'm saying how the debt is going to be paid well, or we'll forgiven. Pay, we'll come up with something. <laughs> All right. We'll come up with something. All right. Let's move to Marvin calling from Daily City. Marvin, welcome. Hi. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, Marvin. How can we help you? Hi. Um. Well, uh, I am working on my 12 steps. Um. I have seven months and days of my clean time, and what step are you I'm on? I'm having a cha- um, step five, uh, which is we admitted to God, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Okay. To um, I'm excited to uh, hear from my peers from the meetings that I go to, and share, and identify um, to be close to the, those that have the similar. Um, mindset and thought process uh, that I have towards uh, other peers, and uh, the challenge that I am, and which is I'm working on, is my cigarette addiction. Um, I'm trying to. Your what? Smoking. Your, my cigarette, your cigarette smoking. Yeah. 
and I have been smoking. Um, so how can, how, can we, how, how can we help you with that? What's your question? Um, well, um, my question is, um, hmm, how can I how can I be able to totally stop that? Um, the only um, uh, answer that I have is to just be able to hang around with those non-smokers that I know around me. And sometimes the non-smokers that I choose to be around me, sometimes they can be annoying. However, I'm not smoking cigarettes when I'm there, when I'm with them. Um, so that's my concern. And All right, let me, let me, let me interrupt. Let me interrupt. Yeah. My apologies. How much do you know about nicotine? Do you know do you know what nicotine is and what you know what it does and you know et cetera? Do you know those things? No, not entirely. Okay. Okay. Well, this is going to be a three-step process. So I'm going to give you some homework. Yeah. You will call us back next Tuesday with the answers. Are you ready? Yes. Let me get my planner out. No, you don't need a pen. You don't need a pen and paper. You just uh, this is real easy. Okay. You listening? Okay. Yes. I want you to find out what is nicotine and how does it affect my body. That's yes. where we're going to start. That's the first step in the process. So next week we expect to hear back from you to answer that. Hey, this is what nicotine is, and this is how it affects my body. Then we're going to go to step two. And then step three, and it will put you on. It'll, I can't say it'll put you on your path, but at least you will have. You will know what you need to do if you're ready to get on that path. But this is the first step. Let's first educate ourselves on what it is and what it does to us. Okay. Yes. All right. I expect I will, to hear from um, you next week, Marvin. Yes, my friend. Thank okay. you for challenging me with this um, first step of um, my journey with this. Okay. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year Thank to you, you too. Bye-bye. I'm going to start giving out some homework here. That's it. We got to you got to keep people on their toes. We can't just give out things for free anymore, you know? You got to meet us halfway here. <laughs> Did we say about giving up something? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go to Marvin calling from Hayward. Not Marvin, Lamar. Sorry. You there, Lamar? Hey, how's it going? Good. How can we help you, sir? Yeah, um, I had a question for you, man. Uh, so, is it mandatory for me to uh, to completely cut ties with all people that, that I used to, to use with and rip and run with and stuff uh, during my recovery? I mean, do I have to completely, uh, you know, knock those people off my list and out of my life? No. Okay. But, ah, I got you, didn't I? But, you have to ask yourself, how successful will I be in my recovery attempt, my my entrance into this new life, if I continue to indulge and associate with things that were attributed to my previous negative life? 
Right, right. Right. Um, I mean, so the reason know. the reason I said the reason I said no is because no one can make you do anything. Yeah. You have to come to that realization and understanding of what you think is the best thing, the smart thing, the right thing. People can guide you, offer insight, offer knowledge. You mm-hmm. have to then decide for yourself. That's why I said no, because I, I answered your question literally, not figuratively. Right, right. All right, yeah, I feel you. Okay. So ba- basically you're saying uh, it's entirely up to me. <laughs> and, uh, depends, and on, depends on the result that you want. Right, right. Well, a successful result, of course. And then, then you have to make decisions that are going to lead to that result. Okay, so you're saying I can associate with those people. I just have the willpower. I, I need to have the willpower to, uh, to say no to certain things in certain types of situations. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that you have to gather all the information that you need so that you can make a smart decision for Lamar, and if. Lamar wants to move in a different direction from a negative, destructive lifestyle to a positive and constructive lifestyle. You have to decide, hey, what do I need to get rid of in order to get this? We were talking earlier in the show about giving up something in order to get to the other side. Sometimes you have to give up associations. Sometimes you have to give up places. Sometimes you have to Mm -hmm. give up things in order to get to the other side and get this recovery. All right. Whether or not you're willing to do it is a different story. Mm-hmm. But it's something okay. to think about. Okay. So it'll be up All to right. my discretion who I let go and who I hold on to, basically? Ultimately, yes. Okay. All right. All right, man. Well, okay. thank you for your help. All right. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Have a good night. Bye-bye. It all depends on how much you want to increase your rate of success right. or your, your chances of success. Right. And well, and I think the thing that a lot of people don't realize when they're fresh in recovery, and a lot of people have that question because, you know, they're talking about the only friends that they, they have coming into recovery, right? Like this is their social network. What I think a lot of them don't realize is at the end of treatment, if you are going to lead a life of recovery and, you know, be drug free and so forth, you won't want to associate with people who are using and doing all those old things anyway. It's just, they, they can't, they don't have the foresight to see that this is how I'm going to feel if I am doing something new. All they can see is, okay, I've been removed from my old life. Everybody back there, all my friends, the people I know, who I am, really how I identify with earth right now is that and how can I give all that up? And they have no idea like when you make this change, you're starting kind of a whole new life. And if that's what you want to do, you won't want to be a part of that anymore. And but people can't obviously you can't see that because that's in the future. You're feeling how you feel now and how you feel now is oh great, I'm you know, I'm in here doing something tough enough as it is and now I'm here and everybody say I can't hang out with the only people that I know but you won't you know, you won't desire to if you do the right thing. If you go through the process, right. by the time you get there, you'll be ready. Okay, let's go to Adam calling from San Mateo. Adam, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, I, I love the show. 
Thank you. Yeah, I um, actually wanted to touch on relationships after recovery. Um, intimate ones. Uh, just a, a quick summary. I am about five months into my program and um, doing well. Really, um, uh, I keep my eyes are wide open. And uh, I'm thinking, I'll just give you a quick history. You know, coming out of a, a nine-year relationship, uh, marriage, and but about five years of it, me not being content. Even though I was in my addiction, I still feel the same way in regard to that now being sober five months. So I guess I'm just thinking, you know, I'm very aware because of um, uh, things I've learned recently in my program uh, in regard to codependency and so forth and, and uh, perhaps the women that I would be attracted to in in, a, uh, in, in regard to codependency, but you know, having this this new outlook and in, in understanding myself, uh, you know, when I get out of recovery, let's say in a couple months, and I, you know, things just happen. It's possible I'm at you know wherever I might be, bump bump into a nice woman or what have you, and you know, how does one really know to 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 sit there and go, you know what? Because I know the statistics aren't good, I should just, you know, not engage. Or, but it's hard, right? It's difficult. What, you know? what, what statistics? Uh, in regard, I've always heard that, uh, you know, getting into any sort of intimate relationships right out of recovery are not are not successful. It's not a good idea. You constantly change. You know, every three months, maybe every six months, you know, you, you become a different person as you recover. So let me, I just let me, I'm sorry. Let me, let me clarify that. It is not, I'm not aware of any formal statistical study, but there's a lot of we we use anecdotal things just from our experience. Right. But I mean, ultimately, a person we we what we want to see is a person focus on themselves and get to a point in their recovery where they have worked on themselves enough where they can absorb another person, meaning, you know, involve themselves with another person. Uh, because, you know, when you involve yourself with someone else, the focus comes off of you, right? Right, right, right. So it's really making sure that there has been enough time, effort, and focus on you and getting your mind right, your spirit right, your emotions right, and everything right that has to get right with you. Right. Before you're ready to then move and mesh and and involve with another, so when they right. talk about well, you know, if, if you don't, if you get too soon, then the chances are low. Well, I mean, yeah, that's kind of true because you might not be ready yet because you haven't gotten yourself right yet. Right. So I'm almost like getting ready to say two rights don't make a wrong, or two rights <laughs> make a what is it two wrongs right. don't make a right. No, and, that, so, and that's really sensible stuff, right? It makes yeah. total sense. It's just the, how does one know, you know, if they're in ready? Then I guess, or so, from your experience, I've, you know, I've said before, no one could. I mean, if when if you you're in your recovery, you're out and about, the universe is going to. No one can predict when the universe puts the person in in your midst. Right. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. the question becomes, if that happens. Is the person in a place where they're ready to take that on? And if they're not, does it mean they abandon ship? I wouldn't say just, yeah, they abandon ship. I would say, no, why don't you take it slow? Take it easy. 
You don't have to jump in with both legs. You know, you can stick a toe in here, then a little finger in. You know what I mean? You can just take your time. So while you're, the focus remains on you, let's say 80%, 85%, you can still entertain this other thing that has come your way. Yeah, that you makes know? sense. When people just jump right in and, you know, they're, you know, they only got six months under their belt, yeah, I can predict that might be, you know, statistically, you know, anecdotally, the chances are less that it's going to succeed. Right. So I guess, um, in a nutshell, you know, just be aware, govern your your day to day operations, if you will, with that certain individual, and, and be be completely honest with yourself and, and take your time. Yes, you summed right. it up perfectly. Okay. All right. No, I appreciate it. Uh, just because yeah, it's just been on been on my mind having this clarity now, and you know, I'll be honest, it's you know, I'm a little lonely in that regard because the whole divorce and so forth. So companionship is nice. Adam, what you just yeah. said is very important. See, you, you just shared here on Roach on Recovery that you're lonely. Right. And just the fact of you saying that and hearing those words come out of your own mouth, okay, is, is beautiful because you're acknowledging what you feel. Right. You're not no, stuffing what you feel. You're acknowledging it. You're aware of it. To be aware is to be alive. You're aware of what you're feeling. So I know that I'm lonely, so let me not just jump into anything that comes my way just because I'm lonely. I'm aware that I am, so let me be careful. Let me continue to focus on myself. But you know what? If the right person comes my way, I can take it easy. I can take my time. I can go accordingly to how it should. Okay? All right. Yeah, hey, great. You, uh, you I appreciate said, it. All right, well, yes, I, I appreciate the help. Great show. I'll, uh, Thank you. I'll talk to you, to you guys later. Take care. Bye-bye. He should be on the show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. He uh, summed it up pretty well after hearing what you had to say. Okay, let's go to Henry holding an East Palo Alto. Henry. Hi, how are you doing this evening? Good, how are you? Well, I'm doing Okay. Good. My How question, can we help you, sir? My question uh, runs along the lines of, okay, I'm in a situation where my options are limited, right? And um, I feel like there's only so much I can do. And I've got defense mechanisms just like everybody else does. And I don't mind giving, right? And I don't mind sharing and all that other great stuff. But sometimes when I feel like I'm in a same situation with the same set of circumstances for an extended period of time, I feel like I'm getting stagnant, like there's nothing else to do. And uh, I feel like sometimes when I can't get out of that situation, I, I feel like life is taking from me, and I need to get out of that groove. What's stopping you from... Doing that. Well, my, like I said, my options are limited. I, I'm getting ready to have a surgical procedure here pretty soon. So, I mean, like, I know that things will move forward after this is passed, but I just feel like uh, I, you know, I can't move forward with my career. One of my biggest enemies in my recovery is boredom, and I start getting bored. I mean, uh, I'd be open to some suggestions here. 
But okay. uh, I'm all out of options. I haven't ha- heard any good suggestions from anybody around me. Maybe you can give me some insight on that. <clears throat> we'll try. The first thing I'm going to ask you to do, though, just as a an overarching thing, is I want you to pay attention to your vibe. Your and and when you're when you're in, you know, in recovery, especially in, in those delicate stages. It's easy to get into this negative vibe, this negative thinking, if you hit a hump. Okay, and what it sounds like you're hit, a, you're hitting a hump. Well, that's most that's most definitely true. I have hit a hump. I've hit a hump okay. on on several fronts. One okay. is the surgery. I've been waiting for an extended period of time for this to happen. This has almost come to fruition. That's going to happen in the next few days. But the other one is, is I feel like. Uh, there's nothing new for me to bring to the table. Nothing, uh, you know, um, it's just rehashing the same old stuff, uh, the same old path. And one one thing I've become aware of is my tendency to self-destruct when I become bored. Um, that's one of my biggest things because sometimes when I get bored, I do I do hit that negative thought pattern that you're talking about, and sometimes it doesn't even really show up as a negative thought pattern to me it's just uh kind of the way it is you know right, i'm going to be i'm, me, I'm going to be stuck here with this certain set of circumstances how long can i grin and bear it okay let me interject here um one my, in my opinion boredom is up there with relationships one and two they're always battling each other for the top spot in terms of why people relapse, inability to deal with relationships, inability to deal with boredom. So let's deal with you in the boredom and the fact that you're at a hump and you have other circumstances that are preventing you from getting over this hump. And then it, I'm also I'm trying to read between the lines of what you're saying, that you're also at a recovery hump. Yeah. Because okay? you said, I feel stagnated. Well, there is one surefire cure for that stagnation. Yeah. You can't keep it unless you give it away. When you well, start I've been I've been working on oh, that. I've been I've, I've kind of got got myself out of the self pity hump, and I've been getting okay. back into giving it away. Yes. Giving giving back. So when so when you when you get there, so if you started doing that. That is your surefire way to not only or to reboot yourself out of the hump, okay, but in order to sustain, okay, so you don't, to use the term relapse, relapse back into the hump, okay, is if you've reached a point where, you know what, I've absorbed as much information as I can absorb, I need to move forward in terms of my recovery, okay, when I say giving back, when I say you can't keep it unless you give it away, there's many ways to affect that. There's many ways to make that happen. And I always tell people who are going to 12-step meetings and so on and so forth is that there's nothing more, you know, feeding and, uh, you know, nourishing than to pull someone new along in that recovery process who's not where you're at. You know what I mean? and, well, there's another to, there's another side to this. Through this whole surgical process and everything, I'm going to have to take medication. And and the problem with me and medication is, yeah, okay, it's 
prescribed by a doctor and yeah i'm supposed to have it but my body doesn't know the difference between medication that the doctor gives me or a bag of heroin i picked up off the street is that that's just so that's a separate issue you're raising you want me to do you want me to help get into that well that's part that's part of part of the part of the thing that this ominous cloud that's looming in front of me here, you know. Oh, so you're you're concerned about this, I mean obviously this medical procedure, the re, you know, the the result of it and then the fact that you're going to be on medication and I'm guessing narcotic-based medication and so you're concerned about what's that's what that's going to do, what that's going to mean. Yeah, I've been here before and it changes okay. my thinking, right? All right. I'm, I need to. I need some insight as to how to stay out of that thought pattern, because I have no control over this. This is just something okay. that's happening, and I Henry? can't just say stop. You know what I mean? Henry. Henry. Yeah. Okay. When you start saying things like "I have no control," I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. You've already put yourself in a box. All right. So the first thing we have to do is flip that mindset. If you've been down this road before and, you, and you've re- you're recognizing these street signs that are going by, you're like, wow, I've been here before. I remember that street. Oh, I remember that house. That's your mind telling you, here we are again. Remember me? Yeah, yeah, I get that. Now, okay, so this is now what's called an opportunity, okay? So you're, it's, it's replaying itself, and you now have the opportunity to do something different. Well, I am doing something different, you know. I, no, I've checked not, myself not, into a... Not that, not, what I mean by that is when that moment of truth comes, because you, you're, you're recognizing when you talk about, well, you know, my body doesn't know the difference between pain medication and a bag of heroin. Okay, that may be true. But what is Henry's mindset? Is Henry's mindset that I'm using a bag of dope? Or is Henry's mindset that, you know what? I've been prescribed this medication for a reason. I'm going to use it as prescribed, and when I no longer need it, I'm going to be done with that and move forward. So your mindset right. is very important. Okay, I'll, I'll so take that my, to heart. So if you put you, if you've already or if you put yourself in a box, get out that box. It's as raw as I can tell you. Get out that box so that you already not locked yourself into this mindset. Because if, you, if you're locked in and then you say, as you're locking the door behind you, get me out of here, get me out of here, who can do that? Right. No the only person that. that can do that is me. Exactly. Well, with the help of other people, hopefully, but ultimately I'm the one that makes the decision. I'm just right. hoping so that I don't you, make the wrong decision when I get there. Right. Well, keep the door open. Don't put yourself in that box. Change your thinking pattern. You, you already got this negative vibe going on that, you know what, I'm just going to do the same old things I've done in the past. Well, if that's what you believe, that's going to become your reality. Yeah, I get what now, you're saying there. Now, what I would like you to do, because we're running up against the clock, I apologize, is one of the things you should consider is, I only got 30 seconds, so I'm sorry, but one of the things you should consider is talking about, because what I sense behind you is you're you're scared. Yeah, you could say that. No, it is that. (laughs) And I am saying that. 
you're scared because you've been there before and the results weren't good, and you're worried about that ending up in the same place. That's what you need to talk about, the reality of that fear. Right. So, Henry, I can't give you too much time to respond. i got to leave you with that. And if you're able, if you can call us back next week and let us know how it turned out, please, or where you're at, we can keep this conversation going. Can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. All right. Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year to you, too. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Well, I wish we could have kept him going, but we got to pick that up. That's a great conversation to have with somebody. It certainly is. And on that note, we would like to wish everybody a happy new year, all our listeners, family and friends, bring in a safe new year, and we will talk to you guys in 2015. Thank happy you so new much year. for listening. Special song, closing it out.
That's our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCGWorkCA and on Twitter at OCGWorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Until then, baby, are you